if you notice patterns uh, on the screen today, it's not our Romans slide. We're going to take a pause in our Romans series because uh, we need to have a family chat this morning. And we want to talk a little bit about where God is taking us and uh, get our mindset uh, on, on, uh, in the right way and where he's taking us. Because here's the situation. Uh, Josiah, my man with the drone, doing all this video, I asked him to take some video footage. Uh, you saw earlier on the screen of kind of the area of the Kenai Peninsula. Well, he zoomed in and took a, a picture of our church today. And I want to show you what, what we saw from the drone's perspective. Um, we, we are growing, and, and that's exciting. You can see Blair's hand sticking up there on, on top. Maybe he's the tall guy. Uh, and, and it's been a good thing. It's been an amazing thing to be a part of a, of a church that's vibrant, and it's, it's growing in, in all of our capacities. Um, and so we're excited about that. But one of the things we have to look at is, is the dynamics of, of a growing church. See, what they say, there's, there's something we call the 80% rule. When a church reaches 80% capacity... What people will come, when, they, when new people come in and they look around, and we Americans, we love us some elbow room, right? And so we look around and we go, man, there's, there's really not, a, not another place for us, right? This church is full. Uh, I, I didn't really see a place to, to come into, and so what happens is they don't feel welcome. We have about 280 chairs that we set up each week without violating fire codes. Um, last week in July, with many of our regular tenders, like this week, uh, not here with us, we had 254 in the service, including the children. That's 91% capacity. The week before that, we were at about 76%. So we're averaging right there, 83, 84%. We're already exceeding our 80% rule. But it's not just the consideration of how many people are sitting in this service. You go next door to our Sunday school classrooms and we've got classes of 15 to 20 kids in a classroom. And I'm seeing teachers and helpers walking out after a Sunday morning with that amount of kids looking like they just got out of Vietnam, right? Like I've seen things that I can't unsee in there, right? I mean, it's getting, it's getting rough. And then we have to also consider our parking lot. People have had to park all the way in Nikiski and walk to the gym. It's been insane. It's been insane. So we go, okay, and by the way, can we just say, these are good problems, amen? Like, this is a good problem. Like, man, where are we going to put all the people, right? And so, so we, are, we are excited about these things, but we have, to, we have to say, God, how are you going to grow us? What direction are you going to take us? And so we have options. We look at growth options as a church. And we talked about this. We had a potluck a, a few months back as we've kind of been communicating as a church family, elders, staff, all of our different ministry teams together as a church. And you look at some of the options we've got. We could build another building, right? We build a third building out there and seat five, six, seven hundred people. Well, a couple things with that. We're going to go massively into millions of dollars into debt to do that. Plus, we lose a lot of our intimacy when we try to pack it out, kind of Joel Osteen baseball stadium style, right? We don't, it's just, we don't feel like that's where God's taken us as a church, so no. Number two, enlarge seating capacity in this area. We could try to knock down some walls. We could try to fit more people into this service. Again, you're losing your intimacy, and we have to remember that the dynamics of that doesn't solve the problem with our children next door and the growing classrooms and the parking lot, and that's not a great option. Um, we could plant another church. Now, on this one, I want to say, man, if God... I don't believe, and we're looking at numbers, I mean, this is going to be a change that's probably going to have to come in September. Now, if, if God raised up, I'd love for us to look and say in a five-year vision or something like that, if we were planting, God had us in a place where we could plant a new church, but right now our infrastructure, our leadership, I mean, we're busting at the seams right now as is for, for this church, let alone to send a team to plant a new church. So maybe, but not today, not this fall. 
And so what we really came to, the, the area we settled in on, was that we would add a second service. And so, it's my privilege to announce to you coming to, to a church near you, so near that you're in it, uh, this September, we're calling it Worship Squared, a seat for a neighbor. All right, this would be our kind of the event that we're kind of using to describe what we're going to do when we add this second service. And this morning, we're not going to preach on why it's biblical to add a second service. There's no chapter and verse in the Bible that says, that shall addeth a second serviceeth, or I will smite thee, right? That's not even, like not even in the King James, we're going to find something like that. So we're not proof texting this, but what we want is, their Bible has plenty to say about our mission that we're called on and the mindset that we're called to have while we're on mission. And we can apply that to our situation today as, as a body. And so we want to revisit God's vision for us as a church. But to do that, I want to first zoom back out, take the 20,000 foot view of, of what we're doing here. You remember Jesus, when he came to earth, what was his mission? What was his purpose? Why did he come to earth? Well, it's easy because he just tells us in the Bible. In, in Luke 19, he says, The Son of Man came, why? To seek and save the lost. That was his vision. That was his mission. Seek and save the lost. If you've been following in the news uh, this last couple of weeks, it's been this crazy story. It's a really cool story about these 12 uh, soccer players in Thailand and their coach. And they were trapped in this cave, uh, for some of them for as many as 18 days. And in the process, the whole nation rallied around this. The whole world was watching. And they developed this Navy SEALs task team that was, that was purposed to go and rescue these boys. And they had to go under the water. And there was this whole complex thing. And it was this amazing thing to see. On Tuesday, they rescued the last boys out of there. And all 13, including the coach, were saved. It was this incredible feat. Now, you saw all the time, all the money, all the resources. There was no ambiguity to their mission. We are here to save all 13 of them in the cave. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's the goal. And Jesus, man, when he came to earth, he had a crystal clear, laser-focused purpose as to why he had come to save the lost, to, to, to rescue those who are trapped in their own caves of sin. And that's the purpose of uh, what we've been walking through Romans. That's the whole goal, is to rescue people from their sin and reconnect them to God through Jesus and the gift of righteousness that he gives us. So what's the mission that he left us with? As he left, Jesus came, and then he went back, and he left us with the mission. And we all know the verse from Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission that he's sent us out to do. We are, he is forming his own Navy SEALs task force team for the greatest search and rescue mission of all time. And we've been sent out, and notice he doesn't say, go therefore and, and save some people. Go out there and get some people who can punch their ticket to heaven when they die. Well, what does he say? Go and make what? Disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. So someone who's becoming more like Jesus, who's growing in their relationship with Jesus, who's fully obeying and moving toward full obedience and following of Jesus. And that's why Paul, what he called it, was being complete in Christ. That we were in the process of being made complete in Christ. In other words, fully mature, devoted followers of Jesus. And that's where we landed as a church, straight from the Bible. So what's our mission? Well, Jesus gave it to us, our commander-in-chief, and he said, it's the, our mission is to present everyone complete in Christ. Now, that's a big vision. Right? That's, a, that's a big mission. Everyone. The Greek there, it means everyone. 
right? Everyone on planet Earth, to see them fully worshiping and following Jesus. And so we said, well, what kind of a place does, does this, is Peninsula Grace need to look like in order to accomplish this mission? And our vision statement for Peninsula Grace is to be a gospel-centered community that's reproducing disciples of Jesus. We're a place that we come together, gather together. We're all about the good news of Jesus and who he is in our lives. And then we want to see more and more people. We want to multiply Jesus' followers. That's, that's our heart. So we said, how do we do this? And we walked through this vision series earlier in, in, the, in the year, and we said there's three steps that we see this method of how we reproduce disciples in this kind of a community. And we engage, we equip, and we empower. We engage the lost, we equip the loved, and then we empower the living. So how do we do that? We want to apply this to our situation this morning, and then I'm going to give you guys some homework. All right, you ready? And I'm serious, you're going to have homework today. First step. Okay, we're engaging a lost community. Engaging, we said we want to present everyone complete in Christ. Now that's a big task. So let's zoom in to our, our immediate neighborhood because that's where we, we need to start. Engaging the lost community around us. In 2017, there was a census taken and uh, results showed that in, in our area, okay, what I would kind of deem as driving distance to Peninsula Grace, there are upwards of 30,000 people in our area. I could drive to Peninsula Grace on a Sunday morning. I know that because there's some folks here that have been coming from basically Captain Cook State Park, okay? So, so driving distance uh, to come here. Now, um, when you look at the numbers in Alaska, there's about, about one in three people on average attend church. One in three. So you do the math. Within driving distance of our church, that leaves 20,000 people who are unchurched. Now, there's probably more than that that aren't following Jesus, because there's a lot of people that come to church that aren't following Jesus. And there might be some people who are following Jesus that aren't in a church, but part of following Jesus is becoming a part of of the body. So we got 20,000 people. You want to talk about a motivation. That's a God-sized task. And my question is, do we have the same sense of urgency as that Navy SEALs team? And if I'm honest with you, even as a pastor... It is so easy to get off mission, so easy to get distracted. And imagine if this Navy SEALs team, like they know the mission, they know what's at stake, and they go, you know what, yeah, yeah, I get it, but I really wanted to finish binge-watching Stranger Things on Netflix, right? It's a really good show, everybody's talking about it, I don't want spoilers, so I'm going to watch that, then we're going to go save the kids in the cave, right? Can you imagine? Or if they're like, well, it's just not really a good season in my life right now, i got a lot going on, or I want to finish my degree, wait till the kids get out of the house, then we'll think about saving these kids in the cave. Like, that's insane. And yet, how easy is it for us to put the mission that's supposed to be on the front burner, and we say, well, whenever it's convenient for me, I'll get to it. I'll get into the process of seeking and saving the lost. That's why we are on planet Earth. And Jesus, in, in Luke 10, when he sent his, his disciples out, he sent them out two by two. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to preach the good news. And this is what he told them as he sent them. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into the harvest. And that needs to be our prayer, and it starts with prayer, that God would raise up more workers to go into the field. Because listen, the problem, there is no shortage of people who are trapped in spiritual death caves. What there's a shortage of is Navy SEALs who are willing to put the mission first. This mission, this is only going to be accomplished when every single one of us as believers are a part of this. This isn't just like Pastor Justin's job or the leadership of the church. Every single one of us are called as followers of Jesus to go out and make more followers of Jesus. And, and here's, here's my vision, what I'd love to see for our church. This is a representative sample of our church, all right? Some lovely folks we have. 
And I would love to see, man, this next year, us grow by 25%, okay? On the scale, that would be one more person in this case. For us, that'd be 50, 75 more people. But, but here's, and I want you to hear me on this, because this isn't just about getting more people to attend a Sunday morning service. What I would want to see, I don't want to see what happens with normal church growth, which is just stealing people from other churches, right? Now, now hear me on this. You know, I'm, I'm not, if somebody's in a, in a situation that, that, I mean, sometimes things need to change. And if you're in an unhealthy situation, or, I mean, we all have as many reasons as there are people. And if we're in an unhealthy, unbiblical, if it's not centered around the gospel, man, and you need to come to a place that is preaching the truth, that is a loving community, that, man, would bring us the huddled masses. But the point is, oh, what I want to see is those who aren't following Jesus find a place where they can follow Jesus. I want to find a, a place where the lost can be found, where light can be given to those who are in darkness. I want a peninsula of grace to be that kind of a place. And if we're going to take this seriously, then we need to get our scuba masks on, and we need to go diving for the lost. And you think about, I mean, this, this, these are the faces of those 12 boys that were trapped in the cave. These aren't just statistics. These are souls. These are individuals. And I want us to think right now, picture in your mind's eye, who is somebody you know, a neighbor, a family that you know that doesn't know Jesus? I mean, could that be somebody that you invite to be a process of this Jesus-following community, to know Jesus as life, as salvation? So you got that person in your mind? All right. Now, I want everybody to look to their left. Good, that's my right. I had to practice that because I'm pointing right. Now look to your right, my left. Very good. All right, now do that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you guys will do anything I say. Now, do you see, if, if we all invited a neighbor, if we all invited a family, there would be no space for them to sit right now. Right? We're, we'd be, we're running out of, of space. And so that's why we're calling this event, what we want to do is adding this service, we're calling it Worship Squared, a seat for a neighbor. We want a place. If we're going to go reach the lost, we need, to, we need a place for them to bring them into, to be a part of this community. And I want the heartbeat of this vision to be rescuing people from those caves and giving space. Now, a couple of caveats. We said Worship Squared. We call this a worship service, but we know worship is not limited or defined by a Sunday morning service where we've got six songs, a sermon, offering, announcements, and a really good coffee from Alan, right? And those are great things, but that's not, that's not all that worship is. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is delighting in and offering our lives to God. But worship better be what we're doing here. Lifting Jesus' name high better be the focus and the reason that we do what we're doing in this service. And what we do here launches us in to Monday through Saturday of continuing that worship. And what we're doing here, this is our weekend pep rally to get us all geeked up, to get us all charged up, to go back out into the field and do more harvesting. You see, we, it's, what we're doing here, our coach has given us a game plan, right? He's, as we proclaim God's word together and we're refocusing our hearts on Jesus and we're sent back out on the rescue mission. Second caveat, I know that technically that's not the right math, okay, for all you nerds out there. Like, I know we're not timesing a worship service by a worship service. I know we're actually adding, okay, so just settle down. I, I see that. Some of you guys were like, Kah. But here's the point. What we're looking, what, what we want to do is this, the, the point is not to add a worship service, right? That's just, that's just a byproduct. What we're trying to do is exponential kingdom growth. 
What we are trying to do is multiply Jesus' worshipers, Jesus' followers. And to do that, we need to create more space for more people to be a part of this process. When Jesus said the words that he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, do you know where he was? Where was he when he said those words? He was in the house of that little short man in the sycamore tree, Zacchaeus. He's hanging out with Zacchaeus. And remember Zacchaeus, he was seen as this vile sinner, this tax collector. And we don't have time to get into it, but tax collectors were one of the most like, looked down upon people in Israel at the time. And the Pharisees are ticked off at Jesus for not only associating with Zacchaeus, but sitting in his house for a meal culturally that was totally taboo. But Jesus knew, if my mission is to seek and save the lost, where do I have to go? I have to go to the lost. Imagine those Navy SEALs if they just decided, hey, we're just going to hang out at headquarters and hope that the kids in the cave find their way out of the cave and make it to our headquarters. And then we celebrate. We got more people, right? No, they had to go to them. We can't just hunker down here in the church and hope that the lost meander into the church service. What are we doing? Get them! You know, like we're not, that's not how it's going to work. We have to go to them. So here's the challenge. Are we going to the lost? Are we intentionally building relationships with praying for those who don't know Jesus in our lives? Are we rubbing shoulders with them? Earlier, and here's the first homework assignment. We, we talked about this earlier in, in the year. So to come back to this, I had challenged us to each of us pray for our three. That means three unsaved neighbors, family, of coworkers, friends, relatives, people that you know in your life, that you have relationship with, that don't know Jesus. And are we praying every single day that God would give us opportunity or that maybe whether or not how much he uses us, but that God, it's God's work, right? The power of the gospel is, is, is God's saving work through Jesus, that he would come to bring them to know Jesus. And so now as, as we're thinking about them, and, and I've been doing that, I, wanted, I mean, I'm not going to call us into anything I'm not willing to do. So I have a close friend who doesn't know Jesus. I have three, so I've been substituting at KBH Elementary, three staff members that I've made relationship with over this, this last year. Um, so that's four for those keeping track at home. That's extra credit for your pastor. That's uh, going for the, the 5.0. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, so here's the assignment. To be praying for and building relationships with three people in your life. And then, and then inviting one of those unchurched friends or family to our launch weekend that's coming in September. And we'll talk about those details in, in a little bit here. But man, who is somebody that right now you could be praying, God, I want to bring them into, and again, not just to get them into a church building, but to know Jesus. So that's our first homework assignment. We're saving a seat for your neighbor, okay? So invite him. Second thing, that's engaging the lost. But then we also want to be equipping and empowering. Once we come to church, remember the, the goal, the vision is not just to get a bunch of warm bodies in this gym. It's not just to get church attenders. It's not even just to get people to be saved. If we want to be a gospel-centered community, we want true life-on-life flourishing around the person of Jesus, to see people freed from sin, to be connected into a healthy, vibrant relationship with God and other people, then we need to see this process of reproducing disciples as our end game. The people would fully know, fully follow, fully become like Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we equip and empower people? Why did Jesus say he came? To seek and save the lost. And he said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. 
And it's as we're in the process of lovingly, sacrificially giving and serving to others that we actually become like the one that we're following, the one that came to serve and not to be served. And Ephesians 4 has this really cool this verse that talks about this equipping process, and it says these are gifts that Christ gave to the church, and these are kind of the leadership positions, apostles, prophets, evangelists, simply usually seen as the ones who kind of help find a church, found a church in a new area, and then also the pastors and the teachers. Those are our elders and, and pastors at a church, and now this is what he says. Here's the purpose of those leaders, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, did you catch that? The responsibility of the leaders is to equip. They're training the Navy SEALs. See, the job, this is not your shepherd's job to just do all of the ministry. So that when someone comes in Sunday morning, I'm greeting people, and then I'm also running up on stage, and I'm playing the guitar, and I'm drumming on the drums, and then I'm running back and and adjusting the sound, and then then I'm also preaching the sermon, and somehow I'm also simultaneously next door teaching all of your children, right? My hips don't lie. I can't, I can barely stand up here for 35 minutes, let alone do all of those things. That's not possible, right? I'm one person in one space, and that's not the biblical model. What we're here to do is to equip, to give tools, and we're player coaches, we're ministering as well, but to give tools and send out the sheep to do the ministry. So let me be frank for a second. For this second service to be successful, for it to work, and we need more help. We need more help. We need more volunteers. We need more servants. We need more equipped sheep, right? And I'm looking at you, sheep. I'm looking at you. We can't just add more water to the soup. We can't just stretch our current servants, workers, thinner. We said in our our vision series, what you often see, and whether it's in churches or other situations, you see 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. 20% of the people doing the majority of of the serving, of the ministering to other people. Now, if we double our services, but we don't increase our volunteers, we're going to kill the 20%. In Exodus 20, very clearly, thou shalt not kill, right? So we're we're out on that. We need, we need more. We have a lot of new faces here joining in. And so we, we invite you to jump in with us. I mean, I think of Mary Jean every Sunday morning greeting people, right? Our hugger. She's an egg gig for the summer. But um, we can't just have Mary Jean greeting people in both services, right? We have Mary Jean training a Timothy. Who's she, who's she going to walk alongside and give them the four easy steps to hugging somebody, right? <laughs> Track them down, right? Cut them off at the impact. Um, <laughs> We need to be training other people. So let me, let me say it this way. To the 80%, to the 80% join in the fun. Like, be a part of, of this process. There are many ways to serve, and we're going to talk about this at the end, some of these in your, in your bulletin. But man, we can be a part of children's ministry. Now, for some of you, you're twitching already. I see you just talking about that. Maybe you're like, I'm not in a place where I can teach. Well, that's where the Paul-Timothy relationships come out. Everybody hold up a C like this, okay? Now extend your arm like this. Now envision a cup of goldfish in your hand. <laughs> if you can do that, you can help in the children's ministries, right? You can do that. They'll do anything for goldfish, right? To be fair, so will I. If it's, I guess that would be gluten-free goldfish for me. But, um, 
helping in children's ministries, coming alongside. Our welcome team, greeting with Mary Jean in the front or Sherry Taylor in, in the back, right? And new people that are coming in, making them feel welcome, knowing where to go next. Uh, being a part of what I call coffee and gluten, right? In between services, we're going to have a, a kind of a blown out time for this where we have, I mean, Alan Clinton, a bunch of people, Cora Bird's been helping this summer, uh, preparing coffee, and maybe it's just you bringing in a box of donuts or, or baking with your family the morning or the night before, whatever it might be. Maybe it's being part of the setup teardown crew. We're probably going have to do some dynamics with the chairs from the first service to the second service. If you've got muscles, biceps, you can be a part of that team. Uh, media and music, if you can click. We need people who are, who are putting the words up on the screen for the songs. People who might be interested in being a part of the, the music uh, for the worship team. Security, right? You never know who's coming from the Diamond Dem Ranch. I, uh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. The bread and the cup, right? We have communion. We have communion. Uh, we're going to be doing that today after the, serv- after the sermon. And, and we want... Um, we have people who can be able to help with the setup um, and, and, and the pre- preparation for that. And, and announcements. Lisa's been talking. We want to be able to bring more people in the announcements team so that she's not having to do that in both services. There are as many ways as there are passions and gifts and abilities to be involved in, in the process. So to the 80%, be a part of the team. To the 20%, what I want to say is you need to train a Timothy. And don't hoard your ministry. See, what, what Paul said in Timothy 2, too, he said, you've heard me teach things, Paul talking to Timothy, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see what he said to Timothy? The way I taught you, I taught you to teach others and then teach others to teach others to teach others. And it's the ripple effect. That's the multiplying of disciples. So whatever it is that you're doing right now, ask yourself the question, who can I bring alongside in my ministry? And not just one person. We're going to multiply who's a couple people that we can train up in this position and then give it away. But here's the deal. A lot of us, our ministry mindset's more about control than it is love. And if we're really going to be in that mindset, we need to be willing to give our ministry away, to work ourselves out of a job. And guess what? That person that you're training, they're not going to do it like you. They're not going to do it as good as you do it, right? They might even do it better. Be willing, be willing to give our jobs away. Be willing to bring people into the fold. And and this is where you rub elbows and build relationships and discipleship relationships start to happen, which is so much of the heart of this as we're in motion. Now, one benefit, this is not about us, like we said, but we want to do well by our people. And one of the added benefits of a second service is what we call it, you can attend one and serve one. Okay, so like for right now, people who are serving in, in next door, teaching our, our children, they're either, well, they have to decide on any given Sunday morning, am I serving or am I attending? And the benefit of having two services is now you could serve in one. Those teachers that are serving right now could have attended the first service. And you can attend one and serve in one, so which, is, which is a great grace to those who are currently serving, but it's also a call for those who are attending to not just attend one, but now to also serve in one. That's the call. Now, again, we want to talk about our motivation and mindset. This is a God-sized goal. So how do we approach this together in unity? Well, Philippians 2 talks a lot about the mindset that we should have. It's the mindset that Jesus had. And you probably know the verse. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You pause for a minute and imagine having your mindset for one full day like this. To let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. To be thinking about other people, not just myself. And he says, 
that this is, this is the mindset of Jesus. Not only is he our example, but he's the means to how we do this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Christ in you, this is his mindset. So it's his mindset in you. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's because Jesus' mindset was to serve and not be served that you and I can know God today. That's the example he gave to us. That's what he's called us into as we follow him. And so the reality is our motivations as we grow as a church, it can't be self-centered. It's not going to work. We can't just think, well, sweet, there's two service options now for me. Or now I can go to the early one and get it out of the way and have the rest of my day to do what I want to do. That's not the biblical mentality. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, this is the mindset he said to take. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses it or forfeits it? He says, if you're going to follow me, then you die to self and you live for me. But the beautiful thing is this is actually better. This is where we find life in thinking about others and not ourselves. We have everything we need in Jesus, so now we're freed up just to love and serve other people, glorifying our God. So this is the, the basic word here that we're using is sacrifice. And we need to be willing to make sacrifices for others. We need to have a mindset shift from me to we. And so the reality is this is going to be more work. For our current volunteers, for new people jumping in, it's more work. And we're going to see some people less, right? I mean, some of you probably having some anxiety attacks. Thinking, man, what about people, what if, what if you know, so-and-so is going to the first service and I'm going to the second service and I don't ever see them anymore? Well, first of all, once you get to be a, more than a, a church of about 50 people, this is no longer an intimate setting where you really get to know people. And this will be underlining the need to be involved in, in small groups like Bible studies and home groups to really build into that Acts 2 kind of relationship that we're called into. This is our pep rally. This is our pep rally. And again, man, I've talked to pastors both local and, and listening to reading books. And it, I mean, it's going to take a good six to eight months to get all the kinks worked out, to figure some things out. And you know what? One of, the, one of the bummers is you come in and it feels a little bit emptier. I mean, we like a full feeling. There's a full house of people in here. And when you first come, especially that first service, there might only be 50, 75 of us in here and it feels a little bit more empty. But these are the sacrifices we're called to make to add, to multiply worshipers and followers of Jesus. How do we do this? Well, we have to know the why. Victor Frankl, he was a Holocaust survivor. He said it this way, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. And as he went through Auschwitz, he found purpose and meaning and hope in his life, in his God. And if we understand the why, why are we doing this? Then we can bear through the Spirit's strength in us, through anything, through any how, if we understand the why. And so, I'm, by the way, I'm not comparing a second service to a Nazi concentration camp. <laughs> but if we keep our eyes on Jesus, on the mission that he left us, to seek and save the lost, to remember that we are those Navy SEALs in the front line rescuing lost souls and connecting them with Jesus, then we can do any how, and not just do any how, but do it with the fullness of joy. So our second homework assignment, what loving sacrifice can you make to allow a seat for a neighbor? 
What loving sacrifice can you make to allow a seat for a neighbor? And maybe for some of us, that's serving. That's getting involved. And we know, hey, this is not the only way to serve. We're not saying that Peninsula Grace has to stamp a brand on, on how we're serving by any stretch. But this is the context. The local church is the context to where we make disciples. So how are we helping in God's process of doing that through the local church? And maybe for some of us, that means training that Timothy, that we're really good at doing the ministry, but we're not as good as equipping other people to do the ministry. So whatever you're doing right now in your ministry, who's your Timothy? Who's your Timothy? I've been talking with Robbie, and I'd love to see him preach uh, over this next year. So we're going to work together so that we, bring, we raise up more preachers in the pulpit, right? Each of us, I, I, myself included, need to be a part of this. So let's talk some, some specifics here. Uh, what are we looking at? We're, we're talking about a projected launch date of September 16th. That'll be two weeks after Labor Day weekend. We thought it'd give us a chance. The family's all back. We're kind of launching into the fall. That's our projected launch date. And if we need to, if God says, hey, push that back, you're not ready, we'll do so. But right now, that's the goal. That's what we're working toward. Service times, when would this be? Now, there's a couple, we, we've kind of narrowed down what we feel like it would probably be under this umbrella. We're not married to it, but we're talking about this. And one of the things you're going to see in your survey today is um, some options. We'll start the first one between, somewhere between 9 and 9.30, and the second one somewhere between 10.45 and 11.15. And we'd love some feedback on just kind of um, some input, different perspectives on, on what would work best for, for our people in that. Um, there would leave about 30 minutes between service times. We really feel like it's important to, to do, to have some of that fellowship time between the two services and also for our children's workers, our worship service workers to have a little bit of space in between. So we're not just, we felt like 15 minutes would be too crazy for a turnaround. 45 would probably get too long. You're dragging out that, that morning for, for everybody, especially those serving. And so we kind of found that sweet spot of 30 minutes talking to other local pastors, found the same thing. Um, and that right now our heart is to have what, what I call mirror services. So essentially what that means is that this, the, whoever played the band, same band, and we playing in both services. It's easier for the worship team. That was the feedback for, from them. You're going to hear the same message in the first service and in the second service. I might be a little more polished in the second service, or maybe, maybe a little bit more like star-eyed. I don't know which way it'll go. But we're going to ha- and we'll have opportunities for children in, in both of our services. That's a little bit about the, the what it's going to look like. Now, I know, even for something like this, 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 is, this can be a scary step as we kind of change and grow as a body. And this is what we call a step of faith. By definition, we don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> we don't know where this is going to go, what God's going to do with this. And that's why we need to take a pause. And I want to, I want to finish with a quote here. Uh, if I ever had a, had a, a grandpa pastor in my life, uh, oh, I, other than Pastor Larry, I suppose, uh, it would be Eugene Peterson. I love this guy. And, and he said these words. He said, the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to get done. So what we're doing here, we're not saying, hey, God, we're going to add a second service, so you better line things up for us, because that's our plan. Now we just need you to kind of serve the power. It's not, not that. He says, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and delight in it. He says, sometimes I think all I do as pastor is speak the word God into a situation in which it hasn't already been said where people haven't recognized his presence. Joy, Eugene says, is the capacity to hear the name and to recognize that God is here. And as one of your pastors, I just want to simply proclaim that God is here. That God is building his church. That God is going to finish what he started. That God is continuing his search and rescue mission and has called us into being a part of that. 
And we want to take joy in watching God fatten and beautify his bride. We want to be a part of that. We want, to, we want to take delight, be faithful to respond in what he's doing, participate in what God's doing, delight in what God is doing, and to find joy in being a part of the greatest search and rescue mission on earth to reconnect lost sinners with their loving Heavenly Father. Have the ushers come forward at this time, and we're going to, we're going to pray, and I'm going to walk you through a few things. Father, we're excited, but we know that the, the emotion of excitement and nerves can be a thin line sometimes. And we're just thankful. I want to pause and just say thank you for the amazing things you've been doing in our church. As more people are being welcomed into a gospel-centered community, becoming disciples of Jesus, growing in their knowledge and obedience to Jesus. And Father, as we take this step of faith forward, may we not take a step that's not bathed in prayer, that's not done with a heart for the lost, that's not done in unity, that's not done with the servant's mindset that Jesus has given us. Father, we just want to be faithful to participate in and delight in what you're doing. May we leave you on the throne and simply be faithful to respond with where you say to go, what you say to do, what you say to say. Father, this is your church. You're building it. And we just want to be faithful to follow you. Give us the grace to trust you more. And as we give these offerings, in the same way that you, we give you our lives, we give you this, this institution of Peninsula Grace, that we know this is an organism of, of, of people gathered around the cross. We give ourselves to you. Lead and guide us for your name's sake so that more people would be welcomed into the joy of knowing Jesus as life, as Lord, as Savior. We humbly come before you rejoicing in the good work that you are doing and will continue to do. It's in the saving name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.